Those who didn't cut it were put ashore and left there. He wondered if he was as able as he was willing, if he had the right stuff. Looking at his new home, his romantic ideas about taking the fight to the enemy became real. For the first time, he wondered if he'd made a mistake. Too late to back out now. He steeled himself to report to the deck watch, who stood on the gangway with a forty-five on his hip. He halted as an apparition in oilskins, gas mask, and thick rubber gloves emerged from the conning tower and descended to the deck. Carrying a metal tank and coiled flit gun, he stomped down the gangway onto the pier. He spotted Charlie and lowered his gas mask, revealing the grinning face of a man about the same age. He said, You wouldn't believe it. Believe what? How many cockroaches I just put out of my misery? We're talking millions. Did you get Hitler? The sailor laughed. No such luck, brother. You our new junior officer? That's right. Charlie looked up at the scarred conning tower. When's she going back out on patrol? Last Tuesday. We keep getting delayed with new repairs. This geriatric tub needs a lot of love. I'd like you to take me to see the captain then, if you're able. The man grinned again. I'll be happy to do that. You got a name, sailor? Lieutenant J.G. Charles Harrison. Hey, welcome to the 55, Charlie. I'm Lieutenant Russell Grady, but you can call me Rusty. Charlie started at that. Rusty was his senior. Charlie should have saluted. Instead, he'd ordered the man to take him to the captain. Rusty held out his hand. Charlie shook it, grateful for the warm welcome. He hadn't expected to see an officer doing an enlisted man's duties. It was his first lesson in submarines. Everybody, officers and crew alike, did their share of the dirty work. On the S-55, as the saying went, they were all in the same boat. Charlie realized that despite all of his schooling, he still had a lot to learn. He also thought if even half of the crew was like Rusty, he'd feel right at home on the old S-55. Chapter 2 God is on our side. Rusty whistled up a recreation car and a driver, a matronly Australian woman in a khaki dress uniform who told them her name was Kate Moore and that her husband was fighting in North Africa, one of the desert rats. She drove them to a rest home that Lieutenant Commander J.R. Kane, captain of the S-55, had been assigned as his quarters. Rusty explained the captain was hosting a small party. What's he like? Charlie asked. Rusty stared out the window as Brisbane flashed by. A cool customer. Standoffish, huh? He'd expected that. I mean, he's seen a lot of combat, and his hands don't shake. The boat looks like it's seen some action. That was at Cavita Navy Yard in the Philippines when the Japs bombed the Asiatic fleet. On December 7th, the Imperial Japanese Navy, IJN, staged a stunning surprise attack against the Pacific Fleet at Pearl. Launched from aircraft carriers, hundreds of planes pounded the naval base and left it a fiery ruin. They damaged or sunk 16 ships, including all eight battleships, and they bombed some 200 planes on the runway at nearby fields. More than 2,000 died. The president called it a date that will live in infamy. Being on the Kennedy at the time, Charlie had missed it. Three days after the attack on Pearl, the Japanese bombed the naval base at Cavite, 
where the Asiatic fleet was stationed, and flattened it. Cavite's destruction must have been a real horror, but Charlie envied Rusty for having lived through it. He'd miss that, too. He'd miss the Battle of the Coral Sea and the victory in June at Midway, where the Navy sank four Japanese aircraft carriers and a heavy cruiser. He'd miss the invasion of Guadalcanal in August and the devastating response. Now he was finally getting into the war, just in time for the big win. We're on offense now, he said, sounding tough. We'll have them beaten no time. Rusty shook his head. Don't talk like that in front of the guys. Huh? Had he said something wrong? Why not? Because it'll piss them off. I got news for you, Charlie. We're in for a long war. When Charlie huffed at that, he explained, Everybody back home looks at the Japs as a nation a little slant-eyed copycat heathens with buck...